Welcome back to Mastering Metail, a podcast brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. In this episode, we are continuing onwards with our journey to mastering Instacart. And by the end of this episode, you'll be a pro at content on Instacart. It's kind of like the speed dating of e-commerce. This is actually the last episode of our Instacart season. But don't worry, the learning doesn't stop here. If you haven't listened to the other episodes in this season, there's plenty more on Instacart for you to enjoy. And we even have seasons on Amazon and Walmart, so check those out too. If you don't know me by now, my name is Emma Irwin and I'm your host for this series. I work as a specialist at one of Essential Digital Commerce's brands, Flywheel Digital, and trying to master Metail is kind of my job. Now, let's introduce our content aficionado of a guest. I am Amanda Wolf. I lead marketing at a company called OneSpace. OneSpace is a digital shelf optimization company, fancy words for an agency slash software company. And we help brands optimize their content for search and conversion and speed to market on the digital shelf. And in this episode, we'll cover the importance of content on Instacart, what all the consumer sees on the PDP or product detail page, differences between Amazon, Walmart, and Instacart, Amanda's three tips for success, and we even have a segment about pasta with stuff. So stay tuned. Before we get to all of that, I, of course, had to ask Amanda our recurring questions for this series. And if you listen to our Amazon season, you'll know that we actually talked to Amanda about content on Amazon too. As you already know, we've been asking about the last thing our guests have purchased from Instacart. And for Amanda, that was hard-boiled eggs. Question we're asking everyone. And so the last time we talked about Well, in our Amazon episode, you mentioned hard-boiled eggs from Instacart. And so I'm wondering if you've ordered from Instacart since then and have a new thing that was the last thing you purchased from Instacart. Oh, goodness. I mean, I order from Instacart every week. When I'm in St. Louis in particular and I'm home, I don't go to the grocery stores anymore. I'm a perfect example of the pandemic shopping behavior change. So now I get all my groceries in St. Louis for the most part from Instacart. So I think uh, I got some bottles of water, really exciting, but they're heavy and it's nice having them delivered right to my door. I was going to ask if it's really like the convenience of Instacart that brings you to Instacart rather than the grocery store. Absolutely. I mean, it's a time saver for me in particular. You know, I'm running around a lot and so traveling now again for work too. So it's really nice not spending an hour in the grocery store and then another 30 minutes or so putting everything away and So I like taking that hour back in my life and doing something more productive or maybe just spending it with my family. And of course, we had to ask her our digital wishlist question. And for context, a pizza oven was on her digital wishlist the last time we spoke. You know this question already, so I'm curious to see if your response has changed. So I'll ask, did you buy your pizza oven for outside? I did. Oh my gosh. I did buy my pizza oven. (laughs) That's amazing. I I got it. So would you say it was worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's fun. So, because I feel like anyone has more than one item on their digital wish list. So, I'm going to keep it yeah. in your head for that next thing that's on your digital wish list, but we'll end the podcast same as we did with Amazon. At, we'll come back to it at the end, but there's got to be okay. something else, the next thing, the next best thing, because consumerism. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, right. always got to have more stuff. That's true. Now we'll really get into using content to win on Instacart. Let's throw it back to what we've learned so far in the season that relates to content from our former guest, Ellie Edwards from Perpetua. If you do absolutely nothing, your products are there. Inventory is within a physical retailer that's partnered with Instacart. Your products are gonna show on 
on Instacart's platform. Now, the key thing to keep in mind here is that your product might not look how you would have expected on Instacart. So product content is pulled in at the retailer level on Instacart. Some different things can happen because of that. So one thing that can happen is if a retailer doesn't have product content on files, they may not have images or descriptions of your products, your product page is gonna look pretty bland and you might not even have anything to really show for except for the title. Okay, so we know that if a brand does not upload their own content to Instacart via setting up an ad account, Instacart will pull content from the retailer in order to just put something on the page. Now that we have a content expert here, I asked Amanda why it's so important to actually publish your own content as a brand. That's a great question. So it is true that Instacart will rely on the retailer feeds to populate your content if you don't have content yourself overriding that. There are some retailers still, like I think a Ralph's, it's a smaller chain, that override content intentionally. So even if you're a brand and you're creating your own content, there's, there are a handful of retailers that will override that. But for the most part, I think one of the biggest benefits of doing your own content is that grocery is a very fragmented space. There are a lot of retailers out there. And there are a lot of opportunities with different online retailers that brands can take advantage of related to differences in their content. So I talk about this all the time, right? Like Walmart has tons and tons of imagery and it's a left-right swipe on your phone. You don't need to click in. So it's a great way to serve up a lot of images that tell a really compelling story, for example. So that's a big opportunity on Walmart that is not the same when you're on Target. So every retailer has these unique opportunities. But I think the reason that Instacart is interesting is that it's a marketplace, not a retailer. And so it brings together all of those different smaller retailers and it allows you to do one content feed that's going to look and present the same and take advantage of all those opportunities Instacart has. And yet you're getting the reach into all of those other retailers without all the heavy lift. So I think that's one, that's kind of one big opportunity there. And then, you know, I think the other is category specific. So Beverage alcohol, for example, they can really benefit from Instacart because of the marketplace designation. Because Instacart doesn't hold inventory, what that really means for a beverage alcohol company is that they can do a lot more robust advertising capabilities on Instacart than they're allowed legally to do on other retailers that hold inventory. So there's a lot of differences with the three-tiered system. In some ways, Instacart almost is considered like the fourth tier for alcohol. So big opportunities for different categories with Instacart. But I think in general, it's just, it's good for brands because you can expand your reach into a lot of retailers with just one feed. With our new grasp on understanding why content on Instacart is important, we can jump into the major differences that exist between Instacart and other major platforms. I think one of the biggest differences and challenges for brands is that Instacart actually writes your titles. So, you know, for those of you SEO geeks out there, your title is your biggest asset in terms of written copy to help with textual relevance, i.e. SEO, right? And so most algorithms lean most on your title to help you rank in search results. 
conversion, of course, is important too, but in terms of actual textual crawling where the, you know, the system is crawling your page and looking for the words on your screen and matching those to what people search, your title's very, very important. And that's true on almost every retailer. But I think where it gets a little tricky is that Instacart actually creates those titles themselves. Now, that said, there are some workarounds there, um, particularly if you have a verified CSP like Salsify. So what Instacart is doing is it's pulling from different fields within Salsify and then creating the titles based on those fields. So you can't necessarily create this really long, robust, keyword-stuffed title, but if you know what those fields are, um, per- specifically with Instacart, they're using brand name and product name fields, then you can actually add in some keywords if you are keen to do that. And I would highly recommend it. We've got keyword data at OneSpace and Edge has that available now too. You can actually pull in those keywords and put those into the product name. So an example of a title might be like brand category flavor. You could edit that product name to become like brand flavor keyword category. Interesting. It's almost like a formula that you can put into Salsify then to feed it. I did not know that Instacart kind of writes the titles for you. Are there yeah. any other main differences that you would say you have to pay attention to? They don't have enhanced content. So, you know, for a lot of brands that maybe think about Amazon and think about the importance of A-plus content on Amazon or something called below-the-fold content, Instacart does not have an enhanced content. They don't have that section of the page. So if Instacart is a big, big driver for you, you know, maybe you don't necessarily want to invest quite as much in below the full content if they're your primary retailer. Now with grocery, you probably have enough other retailers that it warrants investment, frankly, in enhanced content. But I wouldn't necessarily do something specific for Instacart around that. Now they do have some other capabilities though, that I think are growing in popularity, things like brand stores, you know, but they're where they're doing the bulk of their investment right now, and everybody's talking about it, of course, is in their retail media side, um, bringing in really, really powerful executives that came from advertising backgrounds, you know, and they're adding things like on-site display, shoppable banners, shoppable video and display ads, but brand stores is probably the the area that crosses into content more, just gives you a chance to provide that broader message, you know, that story that's not just totally transactional in nature and keeps the customers on site a little bit longer. And with that covered, let's get a bit into the actual anatomy of a PDP or product detail page on Instacart. On the actual PDP, so without the enhanced content, I mean, we're really just talking like titles, images, bullets, description. Yeah, and description. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, you're you're limited to that typical kind of above the fold content. And actually, with bullets, that's that's that you can add bullets, but they're incorporated into the description. So it's actually not a separate field on Instacart. But yes, now when we talk about imagery, though, Instacart is a little looser with their acceptance of some more advanced image types. So. We see a lot more high impact style hero imagery, see a lot more claims card type imagery accepted. So, you know, I think while they have 
maybe more limitations in terms of their content capabilities without having that enhanced content. They do have pretty robust capabilities and acceptance criteria around imagery. With knowing more about the elements of the PDP, I asked Amanda about what makes a truly great PDP in her opinion. And she'll reference some brands like Pampers with best-in-class PDPs. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that their imagery is really solid. You know, they have a they have a really good formula of what they need to cover and why they need to talk about it. I think it's really good from a merchandising standpoint. I think their hero images are really, really good. They're very, very clear on pack size. Because of that, they do a really, really good job on Instacart where, you know, you're trying to see everything at a glance on the search results page and you may not even get to the PDP. The other thing to note about those hero images on Instacart is you really need to be mindful of placement of the user interface because there's a little add to cart button, a little plus sign on your mobile phone, but on desktop, it shows up as add. And then when you mouse over, it expands to add to cart and that'll actually cover up some images. So for brands that are using things in the top right corner of their imagery, Instacart's going to cut that off. So PNG stuff is on the lower right side, which is the perfect placement to work on both Walmart and Instacart, where you have add to cart positions that can cover your imagery. Interesting. That's a smart like finding something that you don't necessarily think of right away because like on Amazon and Walmart, you get that full square. At least I think Walmart. Too. Actually, no. On Walmart, it cuts off the lower oh, left. Wrong. Oh, my gosh. They really don't make it easy for people out here. They don't. They don't. They don't. Um, yeah, they cut off the lower left. And so it really kind of, man, it gets a lot of people. It catches a lot of them. You see it a lot. There's some really interesting things about that. I can geek out about that topic all day. Watch like Amazon decide to implement add to cart button from the hero image and it's going to be like upper left. There will be no safe space. No safe space. That's right. Now that we know what we'll see on the PDP when browsing Instacart, I thought about how much we have heard from our Amazon and Walmart seasons about how your content as a brand will be crawled by the algorithms, which will influence your brand's placements within search. And as we know, the closer to the top of search you can get your products, both with the support of advertising and without on the terms that matter most, the better. Another question for you. I would say that we understand, obviously you can't ever know everything that's going into an algorithm, a search algorithm that exists, but... We seem to, within essential digital commerce, plug, understand the Amazon search algorithm and the Walmart search algorithm pretty well. And I've learned a lot about both of those throughout recording this whole series. But do you think that we understand the Instacart search algorithm as well in terms of like what is crawled, what has the highest impact on your organic rank on Instacart? Is that a thing? I'm sure it yeah, is. but It is. But I think that it is also... There's a, an added layer of complexity with in-stock status and specific stores. So on Instacart, you can do searches that aren't retailer-specific, but they always funnel you to a retailer before you really see the results. So if your product is not in stock in-store, you're going to have some pretty big issues on Instacart. And so I think even more than thinking through the complexities of the algorithm and, you know, what keywords and what order and all of those kinds of things that play into different retailer algorithms, the fundamental of just being in stock in a physical store when you don't necessarily know that that's going to hurt you in e-commerce is probably, I think, the biggest 
the biggest challenge with Instacart. Algorithm addressed. Check. Next up, I present Amanda with a scenario to preface a question on how the familiarity that consumers might have with the specific store they're ordering from on Instacart may impact their content strategy. And Amanda will enlighten us with some data on shopping behaviors on the platform. So I'm going to lay a scenario out. So Stop and Shop is the local retailer up here in Yeehaw, New York. And I don't actually know if Stop and Shop's on Instacart. But I think about like, I know that store in and out. I know exactly what I would get at all point, like exactly what every single product looks like. I'm going to guess that people shopping on Instacart, for the most part, when they pick the store that they want to shop from, are familiar with the products and what they should be getting when they add something to their cart. So my question is, is your content as important as it is maybe on Amazon where you're not entirely super familiar, especially like with Fresh, you've probably never been to a Fresh store and you just add things to cart and you're like, well, I hope this looks like what it looks like. But is it as important to have great content on Instacart as it is maybe the other e-commerce retailers? Yes, for sure. I do think it's a different model, right? Because you have add to cart directly from the search results. And so you don't even really have to click into a PDP to pick a product. So it means that your hero image and your title are critically important on Instacart. Now, all that said, we know from Instacart that I think it, the stat was around 25% of all orders, like by the 10th order, someone is just ordering from their your cart area, from your, your history, basically. So the importance on Instacart is getting in the basket early with new shoppers. And they're adding new shoppers all the time, especially in the pandemic. That was a huge influx. And so those are the shoppers who are being a little more diligent about making sure they're getting exactly what they want. They're doing more searches. They're not necessarily just going from that historical basket and ordering. It's also why it's critical to think about your content from a holistic standpoint with your advertising strategy because and your promotions, any kind of couponing or anything that you do with Instacart, anything that you can do to change or disrupt that behavior that's already in play is really important. But I mean, we see, you know, sometimes the cost per clicks, the CPCs on Instacart are insane. Like sometimes they're higher than the cost of the product. You're like, why would why would brands be paying more for beer, for example, for that keyword? Why would they be paying more than their product actually costs for that click? And it's likely, of course, it's you know, it's up to each brand to make that decision. You know, there's a lot of credence to the fact that if you get into the person's cart the first time, that you're going to get reordered. And so there's this lifetime customer value aspect that, you know, in in some ways is probably worth that investment, at least with those brand new shoppers. I'm one of those people where if I am ordering anything when it comes to online groceries, it really is just from the buy it again, like add, put it back in my cart. I got the product. It looked like it was what I was expecting. And I eat the same things all the time. So just buy it again, buy it again, which was part of why I had to ask about the PDP because you brought up a good point in that like I don't think I've ever even prior to this call I opened up a PDP but when I'm actually shopping I hadn't before because just from search it's like add to cart I hope this is a banana it looks like a banana and what else could it be right right but you know I still think that there's something to be said when you've got 75% of people or so that are still not necessarily reordering things that they've ordered before and 
you know, and the, the algorithms we know are looking at more than just your title and your hero image when they're deciding what ranks. So even more than a conversion standpoint, it's like if you can get a really solid PDP, then you can and you can rank better, you know, then you're in, you're just poised in a better spot, even if they wind up clicking add to cart from the search results page. And now the moment you've been waiting for. Amanda's three key suggestions for success on Instacart via your content. These are going to be a bit of a rapid fire style, but Amanda has addressed all of these already in her answers. So trust me, we're not leaving you hanging with brand new information. Thinking about your advertising strategy holistically, again, with Instacart is really, really important because you need to get in the basket early with brand new shoppers. So if you miss out, it's very, very hard to get back into the basket after they've done their first shopping pass. So that's that I think is a big one. Working with a CSP like Salsify instead of trying to manually submit your titles because that's going to be a fruitless exercise. And so paying attention to those fields and and taking the extra effort to try to override and get a couple keywords into that title. The ability to add to cart, it's kind of like the speed dating of e-commerce. You know, the ability to have an image, a main image that's extremely compelling, high impact, that's going to draw your attention you know, really look at those search results and what they would look like for your category to understand what's going to stand out, what's going to make an impact there. I would say those are probably the biggest, the biggest things. Throughout this series, we've continued to hear about the importance of testing things out and seeing what kind of learnings can be had. I know that Amanda is a big proponent of test and learns. So I asked her about testing and learning specific to Instacart and who should partake. I would encourage people to do themselves with Instacart because one of the great things about the fact that they have the advertising platform is that you can test content changes very quickly. So you can make a change to a hero image when when all else is relatively normal, right? So you've got a couple weeks of advertising data. You can see what your average click-through rates and CPCs, conversion rates all look like on a Monday versus a Wednesday. So you've got a couple weeks of historical data and then make a change to a title, to a hero image, to your content. And you can measure the impact right away with your advertising platform. So you don't have to wait for, you know, A-B testing. You don't have to do like the eight-week testing with Amazon kind of a thing to be able to see the, the impact that your content can have. And one little change to a hero image we saw with one client you know, over $150,000 over the course of a year with just one skew on just Instacart. And so, you know, really, really big impacts that you can make with just small little things. What other metrics that you just said the 150K would be like? Increased sales. What other metrics would you be looking for when it comes to seeing whether or not a content change worked? Conversion rate, of course, right? Like you really want to see conversion rate. You want to see if your CPCs are going down or up right? Because that's a measure of relevancy. That's a measure of what's happening in my category is the competitive situation getting worse or better. Anytime that you can make convert, make changes to your content and see that kind of data improve, your advertising effectiveness and efficiency improve, I would argue that's a really interesting way to measure content effectiveness is by looking at your media spend. With that, we have made it near the end of this episode of Mastering Metail. Hopefully you leave this episode with more knowledge about content on Instacart than you came in with. 
But before you go, we have to learn about pasta with stuff. We're gonna go to two questions to kind of like round out the interview. One will be the digital wish list. But before we get there, sure. We've been asking people if you're ordering from Instacart frequently, which everyone that we've interviewed for this Instacart season has, that probably means you like to cook in some, or you know how to cook, maybe not like it, but you know how to cook because unless you're just ordering snacks, you're probably cooking something. So our recurring question for this season is, what is your favorite thing to cook? I think probably pasta. Just easy. I I make something that I lovingly refer to as pasta with stuff because it's just a conduit for whatever is in my fridge at the time. So whatever vegetable is there, whatever meat I have in there, Maybe I make an Alfredo sauce. Maybe I use my favorite tomato sauce. I don't know, you know. But yeah, pasta with stuff is probably my biggest go-to. I've got some pretty baller recipes though that that are in my in my Rolodex of my brain that I bust out every now and then. So, but yeah, it's pasta is great because you can just be a little more experimental. I'm a pasta with stuff kind of girl too, where it's just whatever you've got: green beans, sure, peppers, sure. Yeah some like pine nuts sure like <laughs> just throw it all exactly. in exactly exactly it's a conduit for everything and of course we have to return to the digital wish list question and now your digital wish list question what is that next thing on your digital wish list that even though we say you'll probably never buy maybe you will actually buy i probably will once i get the credit card points saved up again because that you know is my rule as I told you in the Amazon session. It is a metal cart on wheels that's outdoor safe that I can put my uni on. <laughs> my pizza oven. <laughs> because my pizza oven, I only have a wooden table and that's really not safe. To Probably have, not, no. You know, so then you move it to the ground. That's crazy town when you're trying to put the gun in and yeah, it just doesn't work out. So I need to have something that will protect my wooden tables. And so I, I want a metal cart. And of course they sell one as part oh, of yeah, their whole obviously. They've thought operation. It but I'm not quite sure if I'm gonna go with a metal cart on brand or if I'm just gonna go rogue and buy my, my own little kitchen cart or something for it. But that's the next thing. I was thinking when you said metal cart on wheels, I was like, for what? But the pizza. It's <laughs> like you like some people like in New York City, lots of people have those like little metal carts that they wheel around for like groceries and laundry and stuff. So I was like, maybe it's for that, but pizza oven makes sense. That wraps up this season of Mastering Meetail, your podcast masterclass on Instacart brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. As mentioned many times throughout this season, we also have seasons on Amazon and Walmart that you should check out too if you want a full understanding of the large players in the e-com industry. Again, I am Emma Irwin, your host for this series, and you can find me on LinkedIn or via emma.irwin at essential.com. Check out Essential Digital Commerce on LinkedIn as well for access to all of our knowledge and brands. And don't forget that in this industry, you can always be learning more on your way to mastering retail. This podcast was produced by Class Cancel and Ines Satenji. See you next time.